What's up, everybody, and welcome inside another episode of Chillin' with Shalot right here on the NC Sports Network. My name is TJ Shalot, play-by-play broadcaster, and my many years of traveling the country, working in different leagues all across the United States, I've come across some awesome people who have even better stories. And today, I am so honored to have my good friend and head coach of the Ogden Mustangs in the USPHL, Kenny Orlando. Kenny, thanks, man, for joining me. It's been a long, long time. What, two, three years now? Yeah, it's been a little while. That's that's for sure. I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too. We hung out a lot. I mean, we go back to Austin, Minnesota. We've already talked to Keegan Asmundson, but you were the other half of that assistant coaching duo there in Austin, Minnesota. And the three of us, we were pretty much inseparable along with your now fiance, Amanda. Congratulations. Just a couple weeks old, huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, just, just a little over a week old at this point. So it's exciting um for you and everyone else that knows me pretty well i think i've gotten my chops busted quite a bit um for for how long i waited but us hockey guys uh, there's there's always a lot going on in the, in you know uh in our lives at all times so it but and not to mention i mean she's an unbelievable girl she's very patient with me as as you know um and you guys witnessed firsthand and you know she's been through the trenches with me with this hockey stuff so i i I love and adore her. I'm very lucky. Well, and I think that right there is is the reason. I mean, she's followed you from Pennsylvania to Minnesota, out to Utah. And I mean, a lot of times, you know, a bunch of those moves, lesser women would be like, nah, this ain't for me. You know, see ya. I'm out. Uh, But you uh, you definitely got a lucky one there. And we're we're really happy for you. Obviously, Amanda was a, a big piece of our friendship and the three of us and you know she'd go away and i'd have to take care of you i was the surrogate girlfriend because you didn't know how to cook and and all that stuff but uh no i i can't wait for you guys I, i'm so excited and it's about it is about time keegan and i when we were talking actually off mic uh last time when i had him on a couple weeks ago we did make a little side bet to see who was going to get engaged first would it be you after dating amanda for how many years now and or me seven <laughs> oh my god making her wait she sweated that out didn't she but. Yeah, she did. I, I, I don't. I think um, proposing actually threw her off because she was like, "I don't even know if this is ever coming." Uh, <laughs> that was, like, your, it, it was that your plan? Just, yeah, just it worked out in my favor. Wait so um, long. Yeah, that that all of a sudden I'm kind of you know in control of the situation to make it a hundred percent a surprise. That's kind of what I was able to do, and um, it, it worked out well. It was a really good experience, but obviously, yeah, that was uh, she was quite the trooper with that weight. That's awesome. Well, congratulations again. And let's talk a little bit about who you are and how you've gotten out to Utah and the different stages. Obviously, I know these stories. We've talked about it a lot, but that's kind of the the core of this podcast is really talking about experiences and stories and getting to, you know, who everybody is in this business, whether they're organists like Greasy Keys, who I had on last week, or directors of broadcasting or equipment managers, whoever it might be. So how did you get started? Obviously, I know you're from a big hockey family let's talk a little bit about it and what led you on your path to coaching. Well, I think, um, you know, I'll kind of just put the statement out there. I think that this job, um, my involvement in hockey right now with where I'm at is, you know, kind of meant to be, um, you know, there, it, it's a long time coming. I've been involved with hockey, like you said, my entire life, um, you know, more or less, I don't know anything else. You know, I, I've dedicated my entire life to this. So, you know, I, obviously for your youth years, you're you're focusing on the dream and passion of becoming a professional hockey player. And, 
you know, it, it looked like in some capacity I was going to be able to you know, extend and live that dream out. I don't know where or when, but it, it looked like it would have, I was on the right path, you know, um, you know, through my youth and junior career and then getting to play some division three college, but, you know, very quickly, you know, my, my personal path got cut short, um, you know, just with injury, I ended up with a concussion early on in that freshman year of college hockey, which, you know, right away changed my route of where I was going, what I was doing. And if I wanted to stay involved with the game, it was not going to be playing anymore, you know? So you, you kind of look at how, um, you know, everyone's path's different in the game, whether you're a player, a coach, a broadcaster, whatever it may be, uh, you know, you can kind of appreciate each person's path. And and for me, it was, I knew eventually I would be involved in the coaching side just because I love the game too much. And I, I feel like I have a good brain for it, but um you know, I didn't think it was going to be that soon. You know, you look kind of like with my background a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I grow up, uh, you know, very passionate about the game. You know, that was kind of instilled in me from my father at a really young age. You know, I got on the ice probably, you know, before three years old, I was on the ice and he was scooting me around and, you know, you know, I was drinking the Kool-Aid by three or four years old. You know, I'm out there playing in-house hockey with kids that are six, seven, eight years old. And I'm a, I'm a four or five year old and I'm, you know, chasing them down. And I think that kind of just, that relentless pursuit was something that was contagious at an early age. And I was able to kind of live that out um, as long as I could until injury stopped it. So um, we were very fortunate, you know, as far as when I grew up, my, you know, my father actually ended up building a rink. Um, It's Hatfield ice. It's in Colmar, Pennsylvania. It's a three sheet facility. Now, you know, back, you know, 20 plus years ago, that was a two sheet facility when, when it first went up from the ground up and, you know, he did a lot of that with his hands and I was able to be there and, you know, chop up the dirt, the construction dirt with my mini hockey stick, um, you know, and kind of just get in his way and, and just ask him when the ice is going to be ready. And, you know, I was able to then live my, you know, live those eight to eight to 10 years of youth hockey under his realm, you know, as far as coaching and under his roof. So it worked out really well for me. You know, I was definitely a rink rat. Um, didn't know anything else, like I said, about the game or about life at that point when I was young, except the game, you know, and I was able to be there every day and, um, you know, it kind of pushed me into juniors pretty early and, and, you know, chased this thing as far as I could. And, you know, just obviously with injuries, you ended up a little short, but I, I was able to kind of put my love and passion for this game back into the coaching side right away. Where, when you got into, you know, coaching, was that a sudden moment for you? Was that a sudden decision? Like, okay, the playing career is over. I've, I've got to go into coaching or was there a little bit of a struggle, like an internal struggle, you know, akin to someone, you know, losing a job and having to start a new career. Like, uh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Was it a long stretched out process for you? Or when that day came, were you just like, okay, this is it. I'm going right into coaching. Well, I, I, uh, that's a really good question. And and people usually don't ask that type of question. That's why Um, you're on the show. Right. Exactly. I, I figured I would get that question from you because you're very detailed. Um, but yes, that the answer is that I, I struggled. Um, people that knew me personally at that time could see it. I was wearing it on my sleeve. You know, I didn't feel right. I had no recollection of what I was doing or who I was at any point in time early on in, in those uh, you know early stages of the injury with my concussion coming, you know, in that freshman year of college. So, you know, I think there was so many frustrations with it, you know, between my lifelong dream of playing professional or, you know, obviously having success at the college level, but then playing professional at some point, um, you know, getting that yanked away from me. And I kind of felt uh, at a at one point in time, I kind of felt like worthless, you know, because that's what you focused your whole life on um, for one task or one goal. 
and you know you kind of measure or base yourself off of that task or or how far you got to it and i think i was you know very hard on myself with that but it was something that was kind of you know looking back on it now is out of your control now i, I can't control how my brain bounced off my head i can't control my symptoms i can't control how i felt um as far as you know living everyday life and and with the repercussions that came with you know, getting out of bed and and going somewhere that was too crowded or too many people or too many lights. I couldn't control any of that other than trying to exercise therapies. So, you know, for me, I think it was um, definitely a, a grueling process of understanding that I can't change this. All I can do is kind of look at what's next. And um, that's what, you know, my freshman year of college, you know, I had to sit out the second half of the season, or I would say two thirds of it, actually. Um, just waiting and hoping that this thing would go away and it never and never did. Um, which that summer after freshman year, I was like, you know what? I got to make an action here. I, I, I want to stay involved. I don't want to be just sitting in the stands watching because I'm hurt. Um, I need to go home. You know, so I transferred schools from Canton University, you know, a SUNY school up there in, in New York is great school, um, especially for hockey. It was awesome. Um, but, you know, I had I had to let that go because I, you know, it's, you know, you get one brain. And you gotta you gotta try to figure out a way to fix it and and be able to have have something that can operate for the rest of your life, not just you know put your brain at risk every single day when it was already weakened and damaged. Um, you know to put myself back out there, it wasn't it wasn't right at that time. So I hustled home that summer. I transferred to Temple University, and that was a very unique situation. I think you're talking you know, um, you know we talk about like path and and you know everyone's different experiences in this game. I think I could probably have one that many people didn't in that experience with temple. Uh, Cause I'm a sophomore in college and I'm no longer allowed to play now with injury. You know, I, I tried to get on the ice with that team at home in the beginning of the season, you know, just to, just to get on the ice to see if my brain can handle it. And it couldn't. So, you know, I stepped away from that and right away, I'm like, you know what, if I want to be involved with this team and I can only do it, you know, with my health permitting, the only option I have is coaching. Um, so I'm a sophomore in college, you know, and uh, I'm living college up to the best I can and making, making good buddies and, you know, going out to a party or whatever it may be and going to class and seeing all the boys. And, and, you know, it's a very weird situation because I'm actually, I'm on the coaching staff, you know, at a young age like that. So like to be able to try to create separation and a boundary sure. was extremely tough. Um, you know, the guys respected me because they saw, you know, how much I actually care about the game and the smarts that I have for it. And I felt like, okay, there, you know, there's a lot of value there and I can, I can nurse that odd relationship of being buddies with the guys, but still being able to give them what they need as far as being a hockey player. So it, it took, you know, it took probably half a season there in that first year with Temple when I was an assistant and, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of good people involved in that organization that were kind of able to help segue uh that but you know i think halfway three quarters way through the season you know i became a main voice and and you know that you know, the guys listened even more than i think anyone ever thought they would because they were so connected to me you know because they they felt like they were my friend at that time and and you know they were you know and th that so they would do they trusted my hockey knowledge, but they were also my friends. So it was, it was an interesting dynamic to say the least. Um, you know, I, I ended up doing that for two years, you know, so I was a sophomore and a junior in college. Uh, well, also being that, a coach. That, that yeah. And being a coach at the same time, you're worrying about all your credits. You're worrying about your social side, having friends, you're worrying about trying graduating. to graduating. 
yeah, graduating and, and making sure that you have something maybe lined up or a, an internship coming or something. I'm also trying to nurse all my, you know, symptoms that I still have a year or two later out of the concussion and, and they were still serious. So, you know, there was just so much on my plate at that time, but I do think that that, you know, really helped segue me into my next opportunity, which ended up making it look like this is going to be my career. You know, when you look at, I was able to do that for two years and then, you know, go to a, a rival, a rival school down the road where they fight with each other, you know, every single season they're battling, they're battling Villanova and Temple. And, you know, you, I'm able to take a head position there. Um, you know, great people again in that, in that organization and in the university there. And they kind of let me take, take that thing on and do what I wanted with it. You know, they didn't, no one got in the way, um, as far as, you know, putting limitations on me or, or, you know, needing permits for certain things you know, in that sense, as far as needing to ask for permission on everything. I, I didn't have any of that. I was able to kind of do it and no issue with your age or anything form. like that. No. And that, that was a unique part is, you know, at that point I'm a, I'm a senior in high school or a senior in college. I'm sorry. And uh, a senior in high school would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a senior in college. So, you know, I'm finishing up my classes and my, you know, sports internship and sports management stuff over at Temple and I'm coaching the Villanova team. <laughs> so now, now I'm like, yeah, Temple players, you know, all my, all, all my friends, I'm like, yeah, you guys should go to that extra party this week. You know, cause I'm thinking like, <laughs> All I'm thinking about in the back of my head is like, all right, how, you know, what advantage can we get, you know, on these kids? So it was just funny how the dynamic worked. Um, you know, another interesting part of that was, you know, with Villanova, they actually play out of my family's rink, Hatfield Ice. Okay. So, you know, being a senior in college um, and, and being to work, you know, um, at the rink, you know, helping, uh, as far as, you know, helping my cousin, um, be one of the hockey directors there at the rink and then teach private lessons. And then also be at the rink coaching Villanova. It just worked out really nice. If I wasn't in class, I was at Hatfield at all times, you know, be, because of whether it was work or whether it was coaching or private instruction, I was there the entire time. You're, you're a true rink rat. I mean, in every sense of the word, and I kind of want to dive back in cause this kind of brings up a little bit of a hot topic in, in the world of sports these days. Obviously, your playing career was ended due to a head injury. And we talk about CTE in the NFL and even in you know different leagues in hockey. They're banning hockey. Some of the major juniors in Canada banning fighting. Excuse me, not banning hockey, but they're banning fighting in the game of hockey. We know the NCAA bans fighting as well. Where do you kind of stand as a head coach who's bringing up these young kids? You know the importance of a physical game, but also – you kind of suffer the effects of a very physical game yourself. How do you kind of balance your thoughts and your feelings and how you're bringing up these younger kids? So that's again, you're, you're asking good questions. I think there's two sides to that for me, like, um, you know, being, being a coach, you want to make sure that you're always giving the guys a proper guidance. And, and I think some of that's subjective, right? I mean, it's um, a little bit opinion based on, on how or why you would teach the boys a certain thing or not teach them a certain thing. But I think, ultimately with that, that's health and safety, right? So for, you know, for us, you know, and for me being able to say that I went through that, my career was affected from it. My life has been affected from it. I still have symptoms to this day. They're, they're way less. Um, but I still have symptoms to this day. You know, we're, we're 10 years later at this point, you know, so, um, for me, you know, if something like that comes up, you know, and I, and, you know, in the position that I'm in now, I fully support, you know, our training staff and our players, as far as, you know, the honest approach of, okay, no, I, um, 
you know, I, of course, as a coach, I'm ready for the kid to get back in the lineup or whatever it may be. I'm eager and ambitious for that, but I would not rush the process. I won't force the process and I won't hide or, you know, manipulate the process to help, uh, whether it's my or the team's benefit. I would never do it. The health is more important. Um, you know, and you see how long people, they struggle with symptoms and their life alters, um, you know, sometimes in good, but mo mostly negative, you know, as far as fighting symptoms and, and, and how life paths can change, I would never want to put someone in that position, just knowing what I went through. So, right. you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a hungry coach. We want to win. We want to be successful. Um, you know, and we want everyone to be healthy along the way. So you kind of teeter with that line. Um, you know, but to kind of go back to, to your other comment, as far as like the CTE and looking at all the, the professional sports, especially football, like, you know, that, uh, that's nasty. Um, it's, it's nasty stuff. And, you know, you, you, in the olden days, you used to just get your bell rung, right. Quote unquote. And mm -hmm. that was, that was and, you know, I, and, you know, in some ways I admire those people cause they were able to kind of just brush it off, but you know, at the same time, there may be, there may be a quality of life that they were missing out on that they maybe even didn't know about. And, and, you know, I'm not here to make that decision for anyone, but, um, you know, I think that there's, I could see why, um, you know, I don't, I certainly don't have these feelings, but I could see why someone, um, you know, might, uh, it struggle moving forward in their life in any capacity. And you, you've seen players, you know, professional players commit suicide and, hurt themselves or hurt someone else. And I, you know, not justifying it by any means, but, you know, I, I think it, it affects everyone differently and it's really tough to, you know, kind of force someone back or force or expect someone to, you know, just say that they're good or to, to pass a test, um, you know, because you see how serious these things can be and how they can affect people's lives. Every, every one of them very differently. Yeah. And we're seeing it. I mean, in the, the game of hockey, the sport of football, it's all changing. Like as we go through, I mean, uh, every now and then right now, a lot of training camps are going on for both hockey and football. But, you know, in the NFL, you see the guys wearing the padded uh, like helmet covers. So it's not hard on hard. It's something soft on soft. And obviously things are changing and people are starting, I think, to recognize and to see that because you brought up a great point earlier. You only get one brain, right? So it, you even said just now, you if something happens, you don't even know the quality of life that you're missing out on because you only get one life. You only go through this one time. So you don't know it could be any different. And that's kind of sad when there's people out there knowing that things could be better. So it's good to have advocates like you out there, you know, kind of speaking to this and, and bringing up these kids the right way and, and teaching that protection. Because like you said, it's defensive, right? It's how to take a hit just as much as it is how to dole out that big hit. Um, yeah, but I, I just yep. wanted to bring that up. It was, it was interesting, you know, uh, interesting thing to think about, but continuing on with your career, you leave Villanova and that's where our paths cross, even though we're both Eastern Pennsylvania guys and I've played games at Hatfield. I, I, I played one game at Hatfield. It was actually a practice. I take that back. I had one practice at Hatfield and I played a lot down the road at inline 309, but, um, our paths didn't cross until, Austin, Minnesota, which was your first taste of juniors as a coach after having played and, and, and being in the junior system before. Let's talk about that experience a little bit. What, what was your initial uh, shock or initial whoa? This is a lot different than the college game that I just came from when you got to Austin, Minnesota. Uh, that's it. Uh, I think for, for me anyway, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I still am, a, I'm probably never going to change in the sense of my ambition for the game and love for the game. So I, I wasn't 
you know, very shocked in any of the, of the workload, but I think more of um, the emphasis on recruiting and the emphasis on scouting. Um, I think going to the North American league, that was probably what opened my eyes the most. Um, you know, I, you know, it, there wasn't anything that was like, man, I, I can't handle this or I can't, you know, uh, the hard work will persevere. You know, it, we're, we're going to get where we need to get to, um, you know, but at the same time, it was more of like, uh, there was so much that the uh, hyper focus on, you know, recruiting, scouting, understanding these players, where they're coming from and, and who's actually going to be that right puzzle piece, uh, sorry, puzzle piece type of fit, you know, for uh, a certain lineup, a certain, type of coaching style, uh, you know, based off of players that may be graduating or moving on or getting a chance at a higher level. Like the stress on that, I think was the biggest eye opener for me going into the juniors. Um, but rightfully so, because it, you know, every level afterwards between, you know, um, USPHL premier and now our new level here with the NCDC, everything has been based off of recruiting as well. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. It was just, um, you know, I didn't have as much of that with Villanova and, and Temple with Temple, especially, you know, there was a lot of guys, you had options on players and you, you were able to have those recruiting conversations. But, um, you know, I think that the, the quality of player and the talent pool, uh, just, there's so many players out there for you to, you know, that are accessible to you that in juniors, it's just a whole nother animal, you know, um, there's so many more people and so many more things to explore. And I think that's, that was what opened my eyes the most to how, how big of a beast junior hockey is, you know, but I obviously fell in love with it right away. It was awesome. It's one of those things where, and I learned this too, when I got into Austin, that was the first level that I had worked at where the next level was seemed to be more paramount than where you were at now, both in the coaching staff and the scouting and the players like that entire, the North American hockey league. Um, it's a, it's the same with the NCDC, the USHL, no matter what it is in junior hockey, they're all trying to push you for bigger and better things that are upcoming, whether that's the NCAA, whether you're getting drafted, whatever it is, everybody has that. It's, it's all about the next thing. We're going to succeed here. You know, the coaching staffs that stick around for five, six, seven years and cycle through players as they age out and stuff. Yeah, they want to win. They want to do as good as they possibly can. But at the end of the day, this is all for the betterment of these players to get them to be the best they can possibly be, to commit to those NCAA Division I schools, to commit to Division Three schools, to you know get drafted, get looked at by these higher leagues and get in the NHL. And that was something that I really... I really noticed hard. I mean, everything was all about what can we do to set these kids up. And you leave Austin after one year, you go out to Ogden. This is what now your third year, fourth year in Ogden. It's yeah, fourth coming up. And you've improved that team every single step of the way. I was looking at the uh, the website today. You guys finished tenth in the division or in the league your first time, ninth in the second year, seventh last year. What's been your key to success out there now that you're running your own program? What are some of those changes you've made that you learned from Austin, that you learned from Temple, Villanova? Are you starting to come into your own as a coach? Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of this is that I'm coming in uh, as far as being able to, you know, feel comfortable with myself and and my coaching style and, and you know, what, what I want to get across to the boys. Um, and I think they're, you know, they respond to it really well. You know, we're, we're just short of, uh, with playoffs and preseason and all that stuff, we're, we're definitely over 100 wins. But, you know, 
as far as regular season games go, we're probably just a couple short of a hundred in, in three seasons. And, you know, with, with our division being super competitive, um, it's, it's relentless as far as the recruiting goes. Um, everyone here cares about it. They want to be the best. And, you know, this was a program that I stepped into that was one of the best as far as being in the Western States um, before we took the step into the, I was, when I got here, we stepped into USPHL premier and it made it a little bit more competitive all around as far as, having, uh, you know, authentic one goal type competition every night. But at the same time, regardless, Ogden was uh, a powerhouse in the Western States, you know, so you're coming in expecting to hold that standard up for your fan base and for the players and for, for people that have been around supporting it. Um, You know, I think the biggest thing for me is just over these years, I've been able to come into my own, like you said, and, and build something that, I'm very confident in and, you know, relationships with, with schools for our players that, you know, we're able to get them opportunities at the next level. Um, you know, whether that is, you know, university or, or professional overseas or excuse me, or higher level juniors or whatever it may be, you know, like there's relationships that we were able to build over these years here. And you know, I'm really happy with it, really proud of it. And I think it's, uh, it's done nothing but continue in the right direction, you know, and I think they're, there's certain little victories too. Um, you know, like you, if we were to look internally in the, in the organization here, like we have a lot of great people. Um, you know, I'm really lucky that, to have some of the people here that we do and the ownership that we do, cause you know, they dump endless time and resources and money into this. Um, you know, but like you look at like a little victory off the ice, like growth in you know, growth in a fan base is an obvious one, but like growth in uh, billet families, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's a huge one, you know, where you show these people are, uh, just so willing to be a part of this now after the years that, you know, they see that we're willing to work with them and they're willing to work with us and we want our players molded the right way. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of good people right now invested in this thing, you know, and I think that helps. It doesn't just help myself. It's not about that. It doesn't just help the owners, Sean and Kimberly. It helps everyone. Like it, it makes this thing the best that it can be. And I'm so proud to be a part of it, you know, and um, you know, you look on the ice and, uh, I could probably tag it back to when I was there in Austin, you know, coach Steve Howard, uh, so many great things to say about him on how he, you know, helped assist me in the, in the process of developing as a junior coach. Um, he held me accountable for a lot of things. And, you know, I think that ended up making me a lot better, um, in, in certain areas of the game. And I think the, the one area is the power play, right? I mean, Steve, let me, you know, kind of take that thing on my own. Um, you know, sure, obviously he had final say and, and, you know, if something needed to be adjusted, it would, but, you know, at the end of the day, that was my baby. Um, and that's my baby now still, you know, I love, I love scoring goals probably more than any, maybe more than Alex Ovechkin loves scoring goals. And I don't even <laughs> get to play. Um, and you see how hard he celebrates after he scores his 10 skillionth goal. He still celebrates the same that he did when he scored his first one. So, you know, for me, like that's, um, a big part of this that, you know, I would attribute back to Steve, the the accountability that he had, but also the trust, though. You know, he saw that there was some offensive ability in, in my mindset um, and being able to kind of take that thing and, you know, move the right direction. Um, you know, we've built what would be, I, w- I would say, one of the most lethal power plays around here in the last couple of years. You know, this the every single season. Um, we've been number one in the division and, you know, I would, I would have to go back on the numbers and as far as the country goes with the 70 teams, but I, I think it was top five or six in all three years. Wow. Um, this last season that just ended, we were number one in, in both, 
uh, power play percentage in the whole country, but we were also number one in power play goals for, and we set a USPHL single season goal record that will, you know, probably not be broken for a very long time. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, you look at like where we came from and, and that's not all me, right? That's the players work and they're sure. bought off, um, with the information that we're giving them, you yeah. know, and, and being able to have their creativity kind of dive into, to my systematic behind it. So, um, you know, you look at that and that's something that I can attribute all the way back to Steve. You know, we had number one power play there in Austin that year, um, when I was there with you guys and, you know, obviously he was continuously hard on me and, and it helped and it helped those kids. And it, you know, it helps, it helps their stats. It helps the team. It helps everyone, um, you know, and then bringing that same passion and um, you know, I would say accountability and expectation of success to the power play in Ogden. Um, it's been a thing of beauty. You know, I, you know, we spend so much time on that studying it, looking at lanes, looking at different looks and hands and everything else. And um, you know, just really honored to be a part of that and share, you know, that trophy, that record that we got this year. Um, with those, you know, five to 10 kids that we worked in particular with, it was really cool, cool moment. Was that something, and I want to get back to the Steve Howard in the Austin years here in a second. Um, but was that something that you had a lot of experience with coming into Austin, the power play? Were you doing a lot of that with Villanova and Temple? Or was this really your first time that you got the opportunity to roll your sleeves up and get dirty? Um, I would say, I would say, um, that it was not my first time. Like we, with Temple and Villanova, we, we focused on that stuff a lot. And it, it depends on your personnel, right. Or on what, what you would, what type of look you would give or, you know, how your boys brains work on, you know, you can kind of figure your own players out and see, see the looks that they're looking at and see the looks that they're not looking at. And it, I think you can kind of base a, uh, you know, you can't force, you know, force someone to think a certain way, but you can certainly put them in an area to succeed so, you know, you got to you got to understand your boys and you got to understand the way that they see the game. And I think that helps. And ultimately, it, it trumps everything else in the sense that if you know what your boys are going to be thinking at a certain time on that on that five on four look, you're going to be able to put them in a good spot where it's going to be successful. And I think that's where I started to understand that was with Temple and Villanova. Um, but then being, you know, uh, being put in that pressure situation that, you know, games relied on on an Austin Bruins power play, you know, it'd be a win or a loss on a one goal game because of something like that. You know, I think that's where it really heightened my expectation for success was at that point with Steve. And, um, you know, it changes games, you know, you watch the NHL and how many times is a one goal game you watch high level junior hockey with where we're at, with where Austin's at, like it changes the game, you know, so you want to be a part of that and be able to change it the right way and change it in your favor, you know, and if you can do that, you know, a lot of, a lot of games five on five are being, you know, played pretty even within a goal, you know, so you need something to create some separation. It's funny that, you know, you bring up Steve and all that stuff. The first time I heard that you were coming to the team, I was already there for a full year. It was going into my second year and I'll, I'll never forget. He walks down the hallway into the front office where myself and Mike Cooper, the former owner of the team was sitting in the office and Steve just Burst in the door. He's like, all right, so we got our new assistant coach. And we already talked about, you know, at, the, at this point, you were signed on before Keegan. I knew Keegan yeah. vaguely from his time in the SPHL when he knocked us out of the playoffs. But I was like, okay, so who's this guy? And he just – he pulls up his phone and he's like, check this out. And he, like, pulls up your YouTube clips. And it's just you, just these nasty dangles and, like, this highlight reel – of just your sick hands from you being a player. He's like, this is our new offensive guy. And I'm just like, 
oh, this is going to be great. And I, I, I always will remember the first time that I heard about Kenny Orlando. The first two things that went through my head was, number one, that is a great porn star name. And number two, he's, he's got some silky mitts. Like, I mean, it it was, it was really, he was so stoked about that. Um, And I'm sure that you got the opportunity to show the guys on the ice as well. But when you think back, you know, outside of the hockey world to that year in Austin, do you remember that? It was, it was the COVID year. It was the year that was cut short. And do you, I remember actually, I'm going to take this in a totally different direction. Do you remember the night the world shut down? Do you remember what we were doing? Were we having a party in my apartment? We were having a party at your apartment. It was me, you, Keegan, and Amanda. Uh, we were playing that dice game where you would throw the dice on the table and you have yeah. to like get it past each other. I'll never forget that because the next day, that was St. Patrick's Day, uh, which I think Amanda's birthday is around there, isn't it? Was it her birthday? <laughs> were we throwing a birthday yeah. party? Yeah, March 17th. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were at her place, and the next day, I had a 105 fever practically. <laughs> I was so sick. I swore to the heavens I have COVID, and it was at that point in time where you had to meet these five criteria to get a test because the tests were hard to come by, so you had to um, have certain symptoms and all this other stuff. And one of the questions they asked me was, had you been out of the country? And I had not. But Amanda just got back from like Australia or New Zealand or something like that. And I'm like, no, but I just spent the last, you know, last night I was with four hours with my friend and his girlfriend in their apartment. who was, and they're like, no, 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 no. And, uh, I was well, so, I was so out of the sick. Same cup. We, we probably yeah, were, yeah. I mean, uh, cause we found out, you know, later, later on that week that there wasn't going to be any games that weekend. And that was pretty much the last big hang that we had because the season just kind of went you know, Kerplunk and you ended up going off to Ogden and Keegan decided to go a different route with his career. And I stuck around for a while, but, and that was, what do you remember about that? That just, if not that night, but just that year outside of the rink and, and some of the things that went on. Mm, um, well, I remember when that first half, I mean, obviously we were having a great time, just the four of us, just like we always do. I think there was, so many times where we would go away from the rink and we needed a stress relief in some sense, right? Whether it was, you know, players, game result, uh, what, what it could have been in, uh, for, you know, for you with you know broadcast, social media, it could have been anything. But, you know, we just wanted to get away and, and separate a little bit. I think, you know, that's why we had so much fun together, especially with Keegan and Amanda, too. Like, anywhere we went, I knew we were having a great time. Didn't matter if if we were drinking water, if we were drinking beer, if we were going out in the morning, if we were going out at night, didn't, it didn't matter. It's new. If, if we were all hanging out together, it's going to be amazing. Um, you know, and I think that that was, uh, it was cut so short after that night, we had such a great time. And then the next thing, you know, you know, then, then literally the next day or two, I'm walking to the rink, uh, we- wearing a, a dish towel over my face and rubber mask or rubber gloves on my hand so I don't touch the doorknob that someone else touched. <laughs> I mean, That's I, right. I, I just I just feel like an idiot. I know. <laughs> but, I remember. Yeah, but like, um, you know, going through that, like those, those couple weeks there, like when it was unknown, like, uh, you know, rightfully so, everyone was scared. And, you know, we, we knew there's it, that was a really tough time. Like we're all going there, like we're trying to continue to do our jobs, but we don't know if we just touch the door that's going to get us sick or if we breathe the air that someone else just breathed five minutes ago, that's lurking in the hallway. Like you just have no idea. Yeah. You had no idea what to expect. You're just going around like uh, in complete panic. Um, everyone was so high strung, but you know, if you 
reflecting on the year as a whole, I mean, outside of, of that, you know, little mishap in, in March, like, I think it was, uh, that was, that was such a fun year. And I think, you know, for, um, being in an area, not saying anything poor about Austin, Minnesota, other than it's small and there's not a lot of people. It's isolated. Right. So, right. It's super isolated where if that's not your style, you're going to have a tough time having fun there for an extended period. Um, you know, and I think we did the best we could socially, you know, throughout that season to continue to have a good time and keep smile on our face and keep life going, um, you know, outside of, of hockey and outside of being in such an isolated area, you know, yeah. it was crazy. It was so small and just, just, it has to be your cup of tea to live somewhere like that, you know, and, and, and you know, obviously hockey takes you to those places often hockey takes, you know, hockey will do that to players, coaches, anyone, you know, broadcasters, as you know, like it, it, it can, it can take you to some crazy spots throughout this world, you know? And I think that was one for me where I was like, you know, we're going to have to find a way to make our own fun here. Yeah. Um, that's for real. Gonna be. And, and for you and Keegan, like we found and Steve, you know, we found a way to do that. It was a really fun group. There was select people that really helped us with that. You know, when you talk about Jeremy Olson and Hootenolies and the bars and the, the different <laughs> yeah. things, I will say that about the Midwesterners, they, they love their bars and they're some of the most fun bars that you can stumble yeah. into, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember going, obviously, from eastern Pennsylvania in the Lehigh Valley. There's a population of oh, about half a million in that area. I went out to just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is 1.2 million, I think, at this point. And then I go to Austin, Minnesota, population of 20, 25,000. It was yeah, a bit. It was a big culture shock. And then when you talk about COVID, on top of it, when stuff was closed, um, but people start to get to know you, and I, I'll never forget. Uh, when I had applied for the Charlotte Checkers job and I was waiting to hear back, I had a second interview. There was a week before I actually heard that I got the job and then I'd be moving to Charlotte. There was a week there where I was at this one particular bar, Hootenolies, every single day. And because I, I didn't want to sit at home alone with my thoughts, right? Like I didn't want to be thinking about the negative. What if I don't get this? What if I don't get this? Like I didn't want to just sit there. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go out and be with some people. Maybe if I can strike up some conversations and they get to know you to the point where once I accepted the job, I had like four or five people text me and be like, that's why you were here all week was because you were just trying to escape everything that's going on. And that's the kind of small awesome little town that it can be but but you're absolutely right it's different for you know guys from the east coast like us and now you're in ogden which is just a stone's throw away from salt lake what's it like out there i've never been out that way yeah no i i, I think uh they're just they're so different when you compare the two right and again like i'm definitely not bashing austin it uh, it's just different right it's you small. say that you're just, there's just it's so small it's so small for us being from where we're from it's just a huge adjustment it is uh, that that was that was probably more culture shock than the hockey um you know so but uh as far to you know to relate that to to now like it's just uh, as far as what we've experienced in our life uh where we where we have lived you know it's it's so much more like a homey feeling in that sense you know and there's people that that grow up with that small town and that's a home homey feeling i just never had that with a small town i've been in you know outskirts just same with you of philadelphia and everywhere over there for my entire life uh there's people everywhere you know you can't go anywhere without running into people and and then you go to austin minnesota and everyone knows you you know so it's you know right different dynamic for sure um but you look at ogden you know it's it's 30 minutes from salt lake 
Um, there's town after town after town after town. There's no emptiness anywhere there as far as going from Salt Lake to Ogden or Ogden to Salt Lake or Salt Lake South or whatever you may do. Um, there's continuous just uh, high populace every, every town you go to. So it, it's, it just feels a little bit more like that East, East Coast style in that sense. Um, where it's different is definitely the weather. Um, weather as far as like the dry air, no humidity. Um, that part's pretty cool because um, you get the the nice heat, but it's dry and you're not, it doesn't feel extra, you know, where the humidity just pounds you. You don't have to tell all of my Charlotte listeners. Let me tell you, we know what that humidity is like when it's yeah. 62% humidity and it's already 95 degrees. It's suffocating. It, it's awful. Right. So it's good to see that you guys get a little bit of a break. Someone out there is enjoying the weather. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that part's great. Everything here, all the life is tucked at the bottom of the mountain. So, you know, we have a highway system that runs North South. It's I-15 um, that, that, you know, all the life is, is off of that. Um, so if you look you know, you're looking at the highway and you look uh, East and you got the mountains there. And if you look West, you got a lot of desert. Uh, there's some mountains out to the West, but it's a lot of desert and um, you know, it's it, it, two different perspectives depending on where you're turning your head. So, uh, you know, for us in, in Ogden, you know, between the players and the, and the, the billet families and the people we have with the Mustangs. I think there's just so, there's so many opportunities to be involved together, uh, involved out in the community and, and, you know, different, different areas of life where you can go and, um, you know, entertain yourself on a weekend off. Like there's just so much to do at any, at any point in time. And um, I really enjoy the nature, the, the nature side of things being, you know, close to a couple, you know, lakes and reservoirs and being able to go out and paddleboard and stuff in the, in the summertime, um, you know, get on the water a little bit. That that's something that's an interesting dynamic because I love being on the water, but you know, on the East Coast, I'm used to going to the ocean. You know what I mean? Where we're going to the beach and getting ran over by waves. You know, in in Wildwood, New Jersey, or or we're going out on the boat and and jumping the waves. You know, or on the wave runner jumping the waves out in the ocean. So it's just a little bit of a different water dynamic. But I I'm happy to to return to water. Um, obviously, there's tons of lakes in Minnesota, but I, I didn't really get to experience many of them. Yeah, um, we're busy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it's just, it's been a cool dynamic. And, um, you know, like I said, you 30 minute drive down to Salt Lake, that city is beautiful. Um, it's so well taken care of. The, the streets are clean. You know, people are nice. And, um, there's so many options, you know, for, for what you want to do on any given night. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that sense. And, uh, you know, obviously it brings you back to, little bit more of a homey feeling just from where you and I came from where there's a little bit more populous a little bit a little bit more going on I'm a little disappointed that you just said uh go down to the beach at Wildwood New Jersey and you didn't say go down the shore that kind of hurt me a little bit inside and those of you from Philadelphia and the surrounding areas will understand that you don't go to the beach you go to the shore that is just what you do you go to the Jersey Shore and you of all people you still have that Philly accent. Mm. I can hear it when you say home. I can hear it when you say down. I can't even do it. I can hear it. And yep. you, you said we when, when you go to the beach, that was disappointing. I was really expecting you to say go down the shore, but you, you didn't. That's okay. That's, that's I'm, totally I'm trying okay. to I, I'm trying to be politically correct so everyone <laughs> understands. Everyone understands that it, the you're regional right. dialects, it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So it's the it is the shore. But people might not understand that if they're not from where we're from. So they should understand the beach. But yes, you're right. If we're on the East Coast, you're going to the shore. You're going to the shore. It's where it's it's where you proposed to your girlfriend was at the shore, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. On a nice little private island over there. Not on Wildwood, not next to Secrets, you know, Paulie D wasn't in the back or, you know, the rest of those guys. 
No, that's tough. That's a, that is a, a tough assumption too, that for, for myself and a, a lot of us to deal with is like the, the Jersey shore nonsense. <laughs> uh, all those people, those clowns, they like that has no association with where we're going to the beach. You right, know, that's right. like two hours away. Yep. But to, at least, but that's, that's what people see in their head. And I'm sure it's twice yeah. as hard for you being an Italian American as well. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of like, okay, Kenny. So what do you do? Do you GTL all the time? Jim tan laundry? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. Right. That hurts. That, that hurts because I, I fall into that <laughs> rightfully. So, I mean that, you know, rightfully so I'm, Italian guy like I, I get it it makes sense but it, that's just not me you right. know right right um, but yeah, it's so funny because you know I have a couple of buddies that have you know places down the shore north near where that stuff is and that's just not the area that that we are a little bit more south but it, I understand where it comes from if you're if you're on the other coast you're just looking at everyone in the northeast that it's all the same right so you don't know, right? Like, I, and I'm sure if you start talking about parts of Utah and things, you know, whenever I hear Utah in my mind, it, it goes to you, but it could be three hours southwest of where you are or something. But, you know, that, that's generalizations that people make, whether it's New Jersey, yeah, that's Utah. that's neither here or there, right? You know? Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you how many people think Charlotte is close to Raleigh. I try to tell them it's three hours away. We're closer to Columbia, South Carolina than we are to actually to Raleigh. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a little different. But I want to get back into your coaching and some of the things that you do in Ogden. Obviously, this is a junior team. And the one thing that I know well, and for those of you out there listening, I'll give you a little crash course on it. It's when you work for a junior team, you are going to do multiple things. I mean, at any given time, I was working ticket sales. I was working social media. I was doing media relations. You're wearing 15 different hats. And I imagine that carries through with the coach as well. I mean, you're in charge of not only coaching, but recruiting, scouting, what else are you doing? I mean, what's your day-to-day like so that you can help the Mustangs be as best as they possibly can be come season time? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Like you said, you're wearing every hat that's on the shelf, right? So, you know, um, obviously we're lucky to have the people that we do helping and supporting in this, in this group, in this organization. But at the end of the day, like it, it does come down to that, like wearing every hat that you possibly can. The only one that, you know, I feel like I don't have to wear every single day would be, you know, would be the billeting and, and some of the sales stuff because we, you know, Tim Smith and, and Laura Smith, our billet coordinators here, um, Tim actually also took on our full, full time with sales and marketing. So outside of, of that, you know, I would say probably everything else, you know, and, and that's, that's so much, and that's such a general statement, but you know, that's what hockey is in, at this level, you know, you're, you're recruiting, you're scouting, you're, you're preparing like in, in season, obviously you're, you're continuous on the video with studying teams and games and strategy and players, you know, but at the same time that you're trying to recruit and, and, you know, find the next product for your team, you know, whether that's this year or next year, you know, and um, you know, and then every single day you're yeah, with practice planning and, and, and different, different drills and um, you know, approaches that we want to give the guys off the ice that'll continue to help, benefit their training, you know, uh, hockey specific workouts. Like we have a great, uh, trainer that we deal with, but being able to kind of suggest and mold, uh, you know, uh, a certain workout system that will help them off the ice benefit, you know, or nurse an injury or whatever, um, you know, and then being able to monitor the guy's schooling, you know, and their academics and being able to get these guys conversations with universities, higher level juniors, whatever it may be. Um, you know, there is so many things and that's just, you know, bits and pieces of it. You know, you're in the off season, you're managing camps, you're, you know, ordering equipment, making sure that everything's here on time, you know, doing inventory of everything you have in this organization. It, it just, it never ends. Um, you know, I, I, that's not a complaint list. That's, I love it. 
I love it, but it is certainly something that, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're doing any other job, if, if you're not coaching ice hockey, I shouldn't say any other job, but a lot of jobs, there's at least a, a responsibility or a task list that you, you know, you're held accountable for, um, that you could understand, you know, like if you're, you know, you're looking at a resume, okay, the, you know, this person would be able to handle this because, you know, the tasks that they have to do are X, Y, and Z, right? Well, the tasks that you're doing in this position are not X, Y, and Z that's X, Y, and Z, but it's also the rest of the alphabet. And then it's whatever other alphabet you want to make up. Right. Uh, you got, you know, 55, 60 responsibilities instead of the one or the two or the three. Yeah. Right. So, um, like you said, you know, even as a broadcaster, you were doing that, you were wearing multiple, multiple hats in Austin and, um, and I'm sure you still continue to do that in some capacity now and, and wherever you end up in this hockey game, you know, you will, but like, it, it's, that's something that doesn't go away. I feel like, you know, regardless of your level, but junior hockey definitely, um, put, you know, puts it in an exponential level, if that right. makes sense on how, how some of those things are ran. Yeah. And I think it's because it comes down to in junior hockey, you're going to have smaller front offices. And when you have smaller front offices, you only have so many channels. So when there's a question or a problem or a circumstance, it can only go one of three or four ways and it's either going to go to the front office or it's going to go to you or, you know, and then that might not be the right person to go to, but it's going to come back around and you got to handle it and you just kind of juggle those things. But um, one thing that I did see last February that I want to talk to you a little bit about, cause I want to hear about this experience. Uh, you guys acquired from the New Jersey Hitman a Keith Orlando, I feel like that's got to be related to the head coach, Kenny Orlando. No, I think I knew him once. <laughs> How did that come about? And I mean, obviously this is your younger brother. What was that yeah. like, you know, bringing him into the fold and, and, and being his coach and, and bringing him on? Is he going to be joining you this year? I don't know where you guys are at there. I don't want you to spoil any, anything if there is an issue, but uh, no, that's... you know, I, I'd love to hear that being able to coach your brother. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, that, that was, uh, such an amazing experience. Um, you know, you, you know, when you, when you're coaching, um, even when, you know, I was younger and I was a player, but I would help coach, you know, my dad's team, my, when my dad was coaching Keith, um, you know, and just be able to help it interact. It's a little different, you know, cause he doesn't always want to listen to the big brother or the dad or whatever else in, in youth hockey. But I think, you know, times, times move on and, you know, people grow up and they mature. And I think he, he came into this. The only, the only reason that he did come into this was because he was in a proper headspace. <clears throat> and what I mean by that was, you know, he, he kind of went through the ringer early on that season. Um, he started in Florida and he ended up uh, asking for a trade and ended up back towards home in New Jersey. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, um, so he was home and he was enjoying that experience. Uh, he had a great coach there and he had two great coaches with the two teams he was on. And um, you know, I think uh, him being close to home, um, that experience was, was great for him in, in other capacities. He was, he was held accountable and and he was in a role that, you know, he was expected to help this, you know, the team, you know, he was ex expected to score. He was expected to be the top guy or one of them. And um, there was a lot on his shoulders. And I think coming down the stretch, his team got eliminated from playoffs before playoffs happened. And, um, you know, we were kind of looking at making one or two adjustments right at the deadline. And that that put us about a month out of playoffs. So it would, it put us in, uh, you know, a situation where we were I think we had uh, I, I can't remember exact numbers, but it's somewhere between seven and ten games left uh, before playoffs. And, uh, you know, um, this would be a uh, an off the, you know, behind the curtain type of conversation that I'm admitting now to you. But, you know, I'm having this with him at that time going 
hey, you know, you're, you know, you're eliminated. Your coach is a great guy. He would send you here if you want to come finish here. Uh, he understands, you know, that, that you guys only have one or two games left um, and that season's concluding for you. But there's a chance for you to come here, be on a top notch team that has a chance to fight for a national championship and a division championship. It extends your career this year. It extends chances for you to be on a on a championship winning team. Um, and and at that time, he was a guy I firmly believe could help our team. You know, and you know that's that's what we're thinking. And you know, so we had that open conversation. Um, and just seeing you know the maturity of for for him, you know, like him and I, we have an interesting dynamic. I'm I'm 30 and he's now 20, but you know we've always been 10 years apart. But you know when we get together, it's just tons of laughs and tons of you know just jokes and remarks and everything else but like sitting there just having a real conversation with him over the phone going like i you know i this is the kind of coach that i am keith like you know there's no promises you know you you, you could you could be a hundred point scorer and there's literally no promises on our team you know it's you have to earn it i don't care what your last name says it doesn't matter if you come in and you're the best player and you're earning it, then you'll, you'll get it. And if you're the bottom guy and, and you need to keep working and keep developing, that's where you're going to be. And it doesn't matter about the name on the back, you know, and I love you as a brother regardless, uh, but I'm also going to love you as a coach and that might be tough. <laughs> so um, I think that that dynamic was extremely interesting. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, so we were able to make it work. Um, so he did come out. So, and, you know, I basically told him before the the first week started, like, man, there's, there's regular season games, there's playoff games, there's potentially nationals games. I can't promise you that you'll get in one of them. It's up to you to go, to go earn that. You know, I'm basically saying you can, you can come out here and practice and see how you do. And if you earn it, it's great. And I, I would support that and I wouldn't hold it against him. And he came out and he earned it. And all he did was listen. And all he did was want to be better. And I think it helped him on the defensive side of the puck. Um, between him and me, we were two players that that weren't very def- uh, we weren't defensive. <laughs> Surprise! The guy that Special, Steve was showing yeah. me as offensive highlights isn't a defenseman. Yeah. That's exactly right. So you know, between him and I, we weren't exactly defensive masterminds on the ice as a player. Um, but you know, I think that he came and he showcased right away. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Um, the guys fell in love with him because he has that that knack to just be able to build a friendship and make people laugh right away. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to force it. Um, I obviously was harder on him than probably anyone else. Just so the guys knew that there was no favoritism whatsoever. Um, It wasn't intentional. It was more of, you know, I, this is the way that it has to be. Sure. So they know, and, and, you know, and they knew right away, the guys could see it, you know, and, and uh, there were times where I was super hard on him, but there were times where we leaned on him. Like we need you. We, we really need you. And, and he stepped up and scored some big goals. Now he played, you know, his first night with us, he scored a goal against our, you know, our rival, the other team that is always, you know, at the top of the standings with us. And um, I think right then and there, it was like, all right, this, this kid could play, you know, and, and um, you know, just being able to see that and be a part of it and then uh, appreciate that and see that he handled it the right way was amazing. I mean, he, he earned so much. Uh, he got an opportunity in playoffs. He scored two. You know, we were in an elimination game in a series of three. We're on a Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon game. You know, you win, you move on to the division championship. You lose, you go home. And uh, we won five nothing, and he scored two goals. Wow. So you know, like uh, he stepped up at at big times. And I think uh, he made some probably lifelong friendships out of that one month being here. And he got to play with us at nationals and. Uh, just a really cool experience. Obviously, that's not that's not a story that I usually get to tell or talk about. 
Um, but I think that him and the guys probably appreciated how that went because it was just more of merit based, no favors. Right. It it could have been really bad. You know, there could have been some kind of nepotism. There could have been, you know, favors that were handed out and things like that. But I got to ask you, did mom and dad Orlando, did they fly out? Did they get to see any of these games and enjoy, you know, both their sons, one behind the bench, one on the ice. Was that something they got to witness? Well, they, uh, they did get to witness it. Um, they did not get to witness it in playoffs or in Ogden. They got to witness it when we went to nationals. So nationals, wow. you're an East coast guy, you know, is in Utica, New York. So, right. you know, uh, obviously it's, that's only five hours or so away from where we're from over there. And, uh, our parents got to come up, they stayed for the whole weekend. They got to see us play all three games at nationals and, um, you know, they got to see Keith play and, and, you know, get to see me again. They don't get to see me very much in season. So and I'm a huge family type of guy. So, that was big for both of us, you know, but they got to see us wear the same logo at the same time. You know, ultimately that's something that, you know, unless things change in the next year or two and I'm coaching college and he ends up there or I end up coaching pros and he ends up there, like uh, the percentages are very slim that an opportunity like that would ever happen where our paths would cross like this again. Um, so I just appreciated every second of it. My parents got to enjoy that, you know, especially at nationals. That was a, just an awesome experience. Do you guys play at the Adirondack bank where the Utica comets play? Yes. And that yes. was right after they got the brand new lights, because I, I remember going up there my first year with Charlotte, obviously in the AHL playing against Utica, that place had like these incandescent, like just bad yellow lights. Like the, it was just bad. It was yellow. And then they, they redid the lights. And I think that was part of the reason was because y'all were having nationals there and it was just, it was time, but that's a, a really cool barn. And the weather I'm sure wasn't the greatest. When was this? This must've been March, April and the March. Yeah. Yeah. It probably wasn't the best with that. It's really cool to, to hear that story. I mean, you hear a lot of father, son coaching, playing scenarios, right? But you don't hear a lot about yeah older brother, younger brother, you usually hear older brother, younger brother playing together, like, you know, the Sedines or the stalls or who have you, but you don't really hear a lot about older brother being the coach, younger brother being on the ice. And it's something that's definitely unique. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, again, I'll never forget that. It was an amazing experience and I'm super proud of him. He handled it like a, like a true athlete, like a true gentleman. Like he just, he didn't expect anything, you know, he didn't expect one thing. He just came in and you know, we just worked for everything. It was awesome. And, and for us to get to share that, it was amazing. You know, you guys this year's his, top- I was going to say, were you guys his billets too? Was he living with you guys? <laughs> no, I mean, I, obviously I would help him if, if the, uh, that situation arose, but you know, you just building in general, you don't want to get coaches involved with building. It's messy. Um, but he, uh, we have really good friends out here. Rick and Miley shocked. They're an unbelievable family and they opened up their home for him. So it was actually a man and I, you know, best friends out here that, that opened their house for him and, he was only five minutes from the rink. Like the setup couldn't have got better for him. It nice. just worked out. Yeah. Well, Kenny, it's been so good catching up with you. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about the time that we lived together for a short period of time in Austin. Uh, when I called the fire department, cause I smelled gas in the house and we were evacuated out of the house. We didn't get the chance to talk about your soap ventures. You and Amanda making soap in your apartment in Austin. I'll never forget that. There was a lot of stuff that we really did not get to, uh, to, to talk about, but we scratched the surface. Really. Thank you for the time. I mean, 
it's been too long. I got to get out to Utah. You guys got to come out to Charlotte or something. Like, can, can we organize something where, you know, the AHL doesn't go out to Utah, uh, but can we organize something where the NCDC, are there any Carolina teams that you guys can fly yeah. out and play? Like, we got to make this happen. Obviously, us both being in hockey, our free time is during the summer, and we go back home. We go see family and do stuff like that, but we got to get together. I miss it. I think about that year in Austin probably more than anything else because – it was just wacky, man. I, you know, the trips up to Minneapolis, the the wild game and everything that followed after that, we're not even going into that. Uh, I mean, it's just, it was in, it was an incredible year. I miss it. I want to relive that as much as I possibly can. And I just, I miss you guys. So thank you for the time. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, no, I miss you too, man. It's, it's been great. I know you're doing great things. I'm, you know, obviously super happy to be able to call you and Keegan, great buddies and that experience was awesome and you know i think it's really helped all of us in our careers and and pushing us in a great direction so yeah a thousand percent a thousand percent well thanks again i'll let you get going i know you got coaching your season's coming up real quick so you got to uh, put a team out there on the ice and good luck again this year you just got to go a little bit further than you did last year and so far that's been your trajectory you've been trending up so there's only one way to go but up thanks again (laughs) Kenny. i appreciate it thank you dj that was Ogden Mustangs head coach, Kenny Orlando. This has been Chillin' with Chalot. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, check out the other awesome shows, including the David Glenn Show right here on the NC Sports Network. I'm play-by-play broadcaster TJ Shalott. We'll see you all next week for another episode of Chillin' with Shalott.